Welcome back to The Expedition, the podcast where I discuss some of my favorite pieces of lost history. Thanks for being here. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Nick Degnan, and today I'm going to be talking about something that happened in my own city of Philadelphia. Cobbs Creek is a little off the radar. It's a small community hidden deep within West Philadelphia. Compared to the other parts of the city, Cobbs Creek is quite communal, and the neighbors really know each other. And just like living in any neighborhood, some neighbors you might get along with, while others may come off as a little strange. As the visibility of police injustice and police brutality increases in the media, I've been very personally motivated to go back, look through history, and see what else has been covered up. On the day of May 12, 1985, the residents of Cobbs Creek were instructed to evacuate their homes until further notice. The residents of Cobbs Creek were hesitant to evacuate. Perhaps it was because it was the day before Mother's Day, but also the police were being very unclear about why the evacuation had to happen in the first place. May 12th, they called me up in the morning and said, this is the city police department. We would like you to vacate your premises by 10 o'clock tonight because we have reason to believe there's going to be gunfire in your neighborhood. And I said, by who? And they said from the MOVE members around the corner. MOVE is a black organization shrouded in mystery, but they are most known for their anarchic, minimalist ideals. They often fought for human rights, as well as animal rights, and it wasn't always easy having them in Cobbs Creek, especially after they began implementing loudspeakers on the sides of their home. So this loudspeaker is cussing from the MOVE house saying about they wanted their 13 sisters and brothers out of jail. First you heard 111, then you heard Long Live John Africa. Then you knew that it was time for you to close your doors, turn your televisions up, or just do whatever you could to uh, try to live with the next six or eight hours. On May 13th, the day after Mother's Day, armed police arrived at Cobbs Creek to evict the members of the move house. After a short standoff, an explosive device was placed on top of the house with 13 residents inside, six of whom were children. The Philadelphia Police Department allowed the fire to burn for hours before calling the fire department in. The result of the attack left 11 dead, including five children. There were only two survivors, Ramona Africa, age 29, and Bertie Africa, age 13. The fire had spread, destroying 61 other homes and damaging 100 others, and over 250 residents were made refugees and relocated to a wildlife preserve. An entire community truly and thoroughly destroyed. My heart is very heavy. I feel for those people. I loved each and every one of them that was murdered. My blood as well as the children who was not my blood, but I felt that they were my children because I had been so close to them through the years when I was a MOVE member. They've stayed at my house. I've stayed with them in Virginia. And okay, LeBron, it's just hard. Today, the events of the bombing of Osage Avenue remain relatively unknown to many, and the crimes committed by the city and local law enforcement remain unresolved. 
However, there is still hope for the future. The Black Lives Matter movement has made police brutality and systematic racism more visible than it has ever been. The one adult survivor of the bombing, Ramona Africa, remains a vigilant and veteran activist to this day. While the murder of her children and family has certainly affected her, the tragedy has only strengthened her resolve and made her even more committed to her beliefs. As I uncover the secrets of America's more racist history, I begin to feel a familiar sense of hopelessness. I think that's a relatable reaction when seeing such injustice. I want things to be different, but I'm also singularly powerless to stop systematic issues, and that's exactly what racism is. It's a systematic issue. It's no one person's fault, but we are all perpetrators when we do nothing, and that's a hard truth. As a white person, I think facing that truth can result in two extremely misguided responses. Either the problem is ignored as if it does not exist, or we end up attacking other people that choose not to understand the issue. Perhaps in a way of showing ourselves that we're one of the good ones. Unfortunately, the right thing to do is clear. Get involved in your local community. Look for advocacy groups that fight against discrimination. Support local black-run nonprofit organizations and just get to know different kinds of people. Earlier, I discussed briefly the importance of visibility, which can be an extremely powerful tool. It wasn't that long ago that the majority of America still opposed same-sex marriage, and that opinion miraculously shifted over the course of the 90s. A huge reason for that shift was just the fact that people were seeing non-straight characters in the media and non-straight characters on the news. Despite our preconceived notions and prejudices, just seeing and knowing people can be an extremely powerful tool. That's all for me today. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.